you know, the Beatitudes. And I just want to have a little bit of an overview and a reflection on a very common topic and theme of thought and discussion and reflection, the last days. And uh, after our prayer meetings, there's a group of us get together for some fellowship. And some fairly intense discussions and deep discussions come up regarding the last days. And um, I have to say some of my brothers are fairly, are fairly learned on the topic and, uh, and probably go to a far greater depth than I will this morning. But um, I just want to have a look in overview at the last days and just, uh, just see what it means for us and what we should take out of what the scriptures say this morning. So, as I say, greetings this morning, and um, we thank the Lord our Savior, Jesus Christ, and uh, we thank Him, Lord, because without Him, we wouldn't be here, and uh, we'd, be, we'd be lost for eternity, so. so all glory to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, amen. And it goes without saying, it's a blessing and an honor and a privilege to be asked to preach the word this morning. Now, as I stand here, I reflect back on when I spoke several weeks ago, and the world is surely becoming darker and um, more corrupt and more evil as the days go, for, go, go on. And it's a far more sinful place. You know, and it's a negative thing to say that evil is on the rise, and it will continue to do so until that day we spoke about again this morning, when Jesus returns, and during that reign of the millennium when he rules with a rod of iron, and when righteousness then shall, shall be enforced effectively. And, uh, you know, we look forward to that time. So, the assurance that Jesus is definitely coming back, and I think we were drawn from over here this morning, that's what we believe, the assurance that Jesus definitely is coming back far outweighs the negative and the negative um, aspects of prophecy and what has to come that we might touch on this morning. So there's no doubt in my mind whatsoever that we're in a season where this world is in the hands of the wicked one. And in the words of 1 Peter 5 verse 8, we have an adversary who does go about like a roaring lion, and um, a brother mentioned recently, and it might have been Werner, he's like a roaring lion, and he seeks to kill, destroy, and to find out whom he may devour. But he's unlike the true Lion of Judah, who is the Lion, and he is the one who's going to reign with authority and has all authority in the end. So we praise the Lord for that. Now, I believe the Scripture. I believe what it says. And I remind myself regularly not to be worried. And if we're all honest, we worry from time to time things will get us down, what's going on in the world can get us down. But I look up, I remind myself to look up because it does say clearly that our redemption, when we see what we see going on around us now, our redemption draws nigh and that's something to encourage us. You know, I persuade myself to look at those signs and to assess them and to realize what they are, that these things have to come to pass, that much of what we see has to come to pass. And... Um, you know, I, I look at it from the point of view that prophecy has been fulfilled before our very eyes. You know, surely, and we, we say it a lot, and um, we'll talk about it this morning, and surely we're getting closer to the return of the Lord when we look at what's going on around us. And uh, that Aramaic word comes to mind, Maranatha, the Lord is coming. 
So we'd be encouraged by that. So, so in your moments of trial and distress and when things aren't going perhaps as you'd like them to be, just remember that Maranatha, the Lord is coming and all things will be put right and there will be an account given by one and all. So I just pray that what I've preached this morning may it be edifying and may it bring the Lord glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So just by way of introduction, you know, if you're like me, you might give a lot of thought about the topic of the end times. And if you are, well, then you're in good company because if you look at the Scriptures, even in Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse, the disciples there were wondering and um, asking questions about the end times. So the end times is a topic that's not necessarily new and of today. It goes right back to the time of, the, of Jesus and the disciples. And, um, you know, you'd ask the question this morning, will any one of us be here be of the generation that sees the return of Jesus? I'm inclined to think so. I hope so. If the Lord preserves me long enough, you know, that I'll get to see him. Some of us, of course, have gone before us and will be raised up to meet him. You know, you think about the words of Jesus in Matthew 24, verse 36, where it says, but of that day, that hour, no man knoweth, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So there's an element there of the unknown. You know, only the Father knows exactly when that date is. But we are given many signs and many things to encourage us and to, to uh, alert us to its approach. And the fact is, as I just said there, the, the last days have been, it's been the last days since, you know, if you want to look, since the first, since the, the coming of Jesus, or if you like the ascension of Jesus, and it will be the last days until he returns um, as he went when he returns in like manner. You know, many in the early church were convinced that they were in the last days, and you can read about that if you like, and there's different accounts and different church fathers who thought they were in the last days. You know, in preparing for this, I didn't realize that Martin Luther actually believed that the end was coming within 100 years. So the question this morning is, are we in the last days? Or maybe the question is, are we in the last of the last days? Or perhaps maybe the question should be flipped around. At this late hour, are we ready for his return? And are we doing what we should be doing, bearing in mind that the last day approaches? So this theme this morning, this general overview of, of end times, it comes under the topic of what's called eschatology. And um, as I said, you could uh, talk for hours and hours on it and do a whole series on it, but I just want to do a bit, a bit of an overview and look at some well-known scriptures just on, on the theme. You know, like many things we talk about here, we have to take a balanced approach. You know, and it's not necessarily a good thing to be obsessed and totally consumed by um, prophecy and end-time teaching at the expense of witnessing for Jesus, or perhaps just to wait out things until the end comes and to sit waiting for that day. You know, it would be easy perhaps for us to, to give up and to um, wait for the end to come, but it's definitely not what we're called to do. You know, every believer, no matter what your talents, your abilities, or your, um, you know, your giftings, whatever they are this morning, you should be willingly serving the Lord 
as long as you have breath in your body. So the, the whole idea of a bunker mentality or, or going away to the mountains and buying five years' supply of groceries and all, that's not really what, what, what's intended for us. And I don't believe that's, that's what we are, we are here for. We're here to, to represent Jesus and to preach the gospel until that day we're called back. And as some potters, some teachers, we should occupy until he returns. And, you know, on the opposite hand, it's not a good thing to neglect eschatology or neglect prophecy concerning the end times because the gospel of the kingdom, which we look at in Matthew this morning, when you preach the end times, when you preach the return of the king and the coming judgment, that is a powerful witness to the, the, the unsaved and the lost. So it's a good thing to, to, preach, to preach the gospel of the kingdom and, and to bring to people's attention what is coming. You know, the, um, the world needs to know, the unbeliever needs to know what actually is going to happen. And we know what's going to happen. You know, we've, we've, we've got the word of God that, that tells us. But they need to know that there's a judgment coming. And if they want to escape that judgment, they must be born again. So, so we have the good news for them. Now, a couple of points just to consider as I finish the introduction. As I said before, no man knows that date when Jesus is coming back. Only the Father in heaven. And you'll find that in Matthew 24, verse 36. You'll find also, as you look through the Scriptures, that there is far more references to His second coming than to His first. And um, you'll find even this morning here among us in this assembly, there are a lot of different views about the end times and about exactly how things are going to unfold. And uh, I, for one, I would never divide with a brother or a sister on this topic. But um, as I said, I've listened to a lot of different input on, you know, the obvious theme of the, the rapture. And I have to be honest before you this morning, I'm still studying that, that whole topic, and I haven't come to a, a solid conclusion yet, so, so I'll stay silent on, on the matter for the moment. But I'll say this thing, you know, when I read 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16 to 17, where it says there, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, on a literal reading of that, and I believe in the literal reading of the scriptures, that to me seems to be a different event to what Zechariah talks about in chapter 14, verse 4 concerning the day of the Lord when Jesus stands on the Mount of Olives, or perhaps to what the words of the, the two men dressed in white apparel in Acts chapter 1, 10 and 11, when they're standing commenting on Jesus' ascension into heaven, and when they say, in like manner, he also shall return. So I'll leave it at that. It's, it seems to me to be, to be uh, different occasions. So I'll leave the rapture for another day, and I'll leave it to all the Bereans here to examine and to study it further. Now, we know the world mocks when people set, set dates for the end and um, when they're never fulfilled, of course. And uh, we shouldn't do that either, so we should be um, cautious about doing that. And as I probably alluded to earlier, it'd be nice to know all of the details um, of exactly how things are going to unfold. But perhaps that's not how the Lord intends it. You know, end time prophecy I wrote here, it's not much, as much for our own curiosity but to encourage us to be ready and active in service for him. 
And I remember the words of Jesus in the second half of chapter 18, verse 8, where he says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. And uh, we need to bear that in mind. So, on the broad topic of the end times, what are the signs of the end times? You know, are we given signs that show us where we are in this prophetic calendar and how close the Great Tribulation might be? And the answer is yes. And you can make a fairly long list of them. And I've just chosen a few uh, extracts from Scripture this morning, which probably most people are going to be aware of. And the first one is the words of Jesus in the Olivet Discourse. And when you read that passage, there's certain signs that Jesus gives regarding the signs of the end. And I'll just run through a few here. In verse 4, he talks about deception. Take care that no man deceives you. You know, deception is more rampant than ever. And it seems to me often that the more knowledge there is and the more detail there is, that the easier it is to get confused and to lead people astray. You know, and if you're not looking for your answers this morning in the Bible, and if you're paying too much attention to what I call the cosmos or zeitgeist or the world system, wherever you want to describe it, there's a very, very good chance you're going to get deceived because it's just rife with lies and deception. You know, you hear terms like cognitive dissonance, you know, the inability to, to hold truth and to, to reconcile truth to, to, to your morals or how, what you truly believe. You know, it's what the Scripture calls being double-minded. And it's something that, that's not for a Christian. We should be solid and well-grounded on what the Word says and not what the world says. You know, there's also, in the church, there's a great prevalence of spiritual deception. And we see this more and more as churches align themselves to what you would call the philosophies of the world. And rather than what God is saying in His Word, you know, false teachers teach a false gospel. You know, and a discerning and a Bible-based Christian, and if you're genuine and you search the Word and you, you follow what the Word says, you shouldn't be deceived by, and I use this term loosely, I don't like to use the word gospel, but a social justice gospel, or it's not, it's not really the gospel, a social justice, justice resemblance of the gospel, or a woke resemblance of the gospel, or an ecumenical re, uh, resemblance to the true gospel, they're false gospels, and we should pick them out and spot them straight away. And, um, you know, that's, that's important. Verse 5, he talks about the Antichrist spirit. He says that many shall come in my name, saying I am Christ, and in turn they shall deceive many. You know, the Pope, you know, I'm an ex-Catholic, I come from a Catholic background, I understand the Catholic system quite a bit. But the Pope is typical of an ongoing Antichrist spirit. And he continues to call himself Vicarious Christi, and, uh, which is one who is acting in the place of Christ, or you can translate that as Antichrist. And more and more people elevate themselves as equal to Christ. You get those who talked about Christ consciousness, or you may bump into those occasionally who actually believe they are Christ, and, and we've seen that on the streets ourselves. And, um, you know, the, anyone who does that, they have the anti, clearly have the Antichrist spirit. That's what the Scripture says. Verse 6 and 7 talks about wars, rumors of wars, uprisings, famines, pestilences, and earthquakes. 
And if you're honest and you reflect on what's going on around the world, they're very, very topical and they're on the increase. You know, you can check the facts for yourself if you want. You can um, look at the increase in the number of earthquakes. There's figures and, and uh, research data on that that shows you exactly that these things are definitely increasing. There's probably more wars about the world now than at any time since the Great World War. And, um, you know, it's evident for us to see. You know, we're actually being told now when to expect the next pestilence or pandemic. So there's the element of man there manipulating and, 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 and playing in this as well. You know, we know that the supply of food and energy has been manipulated. And, you know, as a result, there will be worse famines. These words will be fulfilled. Verse 9 talks about delivering you up to be afflicted. It's the topic of persecution, increasing persecution. If you look at recently what's happened in the sports world here, we know that case that Pastor Gary spoke about a few weeks back of um, you know, somebody having to leave a position because they wouldn't choose between their position in the church, a position on a, on a worldly football team, or we perhaps think about uh, Israel Folau and some of those things, you see that persecution, it's definitely on the increase in the Western world. At the moment, it's the soft end of persecution or the thin edge of the wedge, but it is going to increase and it's going to um, get worse. And as, you know, what about all the cases you don't hear of where people now are being discriminated, perhaps in the workplace? They probably don't get a promotion or they get shunned because they're a Christian. You know, that doesn't make the headlines, but these things are on the increase. You know, even think of the words of our own premier and, you know, how um, inflammatory some of his statements are, you know, against Christianity and those with a Christian um, ethos. You know, and then there's the persecution that's, that's uh, being ongoing in the hotspots of the world that has been going on, and that's getting worse as well. And I looked at some figures here just... Uh, for the year 2021, and this is from the Open Doors uh, Ministry. And it says there that more than 340 million Christian brothers and sisters live under high levels of persecution and discrimination. 2021, 4,761 Christians were martyred. I suspect the figures are probably greater than this. You know, this is what's reported. 4,488 4, 4, churches and Christian facilities were attacked. 4,277 believers were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned. So these things are on the increase, just as Jesus says here. Verse 10, it talks about offense here. And it says that, Then many shall be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. You know, we're living in a days when people... They, they, they feed on and they enjoy being offended. and they, they, they maximize being offended. You know, you just have to look at identity and Marxist politics and the division and the hatred that it brings. And it's rife and it's on the increase. You know, and as Christians this morning, just as an aside, we need to be careful that those who despise us, and there are many, that we don't fall into the trap of treating them as the enemy. The enemy is spiritual. And uh, we... You know, it's, it's so easy, and particularly if you look at something like American politics, you know, the, the rivalry between the Republicans and Democrats, and, you know, it's even it's happening here where the things are becoming more and more polarized, that the Christian position is not to be 
We're not to be polarized and to hate, hate those that hate us. We're actually to reach out to them and to preach, preach the gospel. So, so that's an important thing. Verse 11, increase in false prophets. Matthew 7, 15, it says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. There are many false prophets out there. A couple more, verse 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Abounding iniquity, or, or just the, the widespread spread of sin and the decline of things that um, you know, we've never seen before. And again, you can think of a whole list of things, whether it's euthanasia, abortion, the LGBT um, agenda, all of that, I believe, over a period, it, it hardens people. It hardens people to the um, effect and to the reality of, of the sin that it is. You know, some of these I put under the category of state-sanctioned sin because much of this sin is government policy. You know, to, to kill a child, you know, at birth or to, to mutilate a, a, a young girl or boy because of gender issues or, or to, um, to put away with somebody because they're depressed or they're old or perhaps in society's eyes no longer seen as useful or a contributor. You know, the Christian view would be that we look out for the less fortunate and we care for the frail, we care for the widows, we care for the orphans. But the world system is very different. And that system that's arising now and um, bringing those things of sin into being falls very much into line with what Jesus says about iniquity. And there's one positive sign that Jesus says here is that the gospel in verse 14 of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So, Many would think that we're very close to that, that with the technology that's around nowadays, that the gospel is almost at the, at the reach of everyone. And if it's not, in a very short time, it would be. And finally, verse 37, later on in that chapter, he talks about the days of Noah and a repeat of the days of Noah. You know, the Bible says in verse 38 that people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving a marriage, then the end came. Those things seem pretty innocuous or innocent themselves. But then when you go back into the account in Genesis, you see that the earth was wicked and filled with violence. And it fills the picture in. And today, the earth is becoming more like that. Violence is on the increase. The legal system doesn't prosecute those who are violent. They get away with it. Justice has been, been um, you know, the Judeo-Christian system of justice has been dismantled. And we just see all of those things, again, feeding into these signs of the end times. Another um, passage of Scripture that I'd like to look at is, and again, I think I've preached on this before, is 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5. And those are the perilous times, um, things to look out for. And again, it says, this now also, that in the last days, so again, the theme is the last days, that perilous times shall come. And it lists down a whole litany of characteristics and, and uh, things we'll see that will be typical of those who live in the perilous times. It says here, and I'll run through it quickly, 
Men will be lovers of themselves. So instead of selflessness, there's an increase of selflessness and sacrifice, I would say. There's an increase in selfishness. It says men will be covetous. So we've got rampant materialism and this um, need for people to accumulate and to have the latest of everything, you know, the, the build-up and the, the worship of material possessions. Men will be boasters, self-promotion. Men will be pri proud, proud being, pride being the root sin, and God know, knowing, knowing that God will resist the proud. Men will be blasphemers, so evident in day-to-day -day conversation and in the media. You know, the name of Jesus is an easy target. Men will be disobedient to parents. The breakdown of God's order for the family and the breaking of the third commandment, all evidence of the end times. Men will be unthankful, so people don't count God's blessings and forget about the goodness and the mercy of God. You know, whether it's the, the rain he sends, the sun he sends, you know, all of the, or the very breath that they breathe, they don't give glory to God anymore. Men will be without natural affection, hardness of heart and cruelty to others. And it comes right through from, from the entertainment industry, right through into day-to-day -day life where, where violence and, and cruelty is on the increase. Men will be truce breakers. How many instances have you dealt with people who don't keep the word anymore? Perhaps contractors are supposed to turn up, they don't turn up and uh, they don't bat an eyelid. You know, the value of a person's word is, has um, gone down. Men will be false accusers, taking the name and characters of others lightly. Men will be incontinent. That's a, an old term in the King James and it perhaps has different meanings or conveys a different uh, meaning to us nowadays. But what it basically means is people not exercising discipline and self-control. Again, we see that. Men will be fierce, aggression and violence in day-to-day -day life. Men will be despisers of those that are good. You find this morning, if, if you're one, if you stand for family values, if you stand for traditional family values and, and the traditional roles of father, mother, and, and family, you're going to be um, despised for it. And you know, you're, a lot of different terms will be used to describe you. Men will be traitors, no display of loyalty. And men will be headstrong. They know best, and, uh, or I know best, and I'll not seek the advice of others. And men will be high-minded, full of their own self-importance. And men will be lovers of pleasure, so feeding the flesh rather than feeding the spirit. And uh, again, we, we see all those things. These are all end-time signs. Another one that's, that's mentioned from time to time, and a very important one, Again, it's the restoration of Israel as a nation in 1948. And um, that's a significant sign. Uh, we know the scripture, Isaiah 66, verse 8. Who had heard such a thing, who had seen such things, shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? <clears throat> now, God promises to bless the world through Israel, but most nations, and including Australia this week, have taken a turn against Israel. And if you follow the news this week, you'll see Penny Wong's statement concerning the embassy and, uh, and uh, the news relating to that. And, you know, in Genesis, we know it says very clearly that you need to bless Israel if you want to be blessed in return. And it's a sign of the end times that the hatred against Israel is on the increase. And it's an irrational hatred. 
You know, I, I find that when I talk to, to um, a lot of Irish people, even my own family, why Ireland would be such an anti-Semitic country. Extremely so, probably, probably the worst in Europe. I don't know. And um, why people, you know, they blame everything on the Jews. You know, it's a spiritual thing, and it's on the rise. Zechariah 12, verse 3, talking about Jerusalem. And in that day, I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All the burden themselves, but it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth will be gathered against it. And uh, you can include Penny Wong in that list. But anybody who interferes with what's going on in Jerusalem against God's will and His purposes, they're going to suffer as a result. And one final one, scoffers. 2 Peter 3, 1 to 3. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days, again, last days, even back then, scoffers walking after their own lusts. And we see them as well. You know, um, Nearly all of the, I think probably all of the writers in the New Testament touch on end times and touch on what it's going to be like. And uh, if you, that same chapter actually, or same book, Second Peter, if you read the second chapter, the whole chapter is on, on the uh, theme of apostasy and falling away. So what is the world saying at the moment? So let's step outside of here and uh, just think what the world is saying. And I picked out again some current headlines this is what the world hears from the media. A couple of points just to give you an idea. The coming food catastrophe. War is tipping a fragile world towards mass hunger. The war is battering a global food system weakened by COVID-19, climate change and energy shock. Nearly 250 million people are on the brink of famine. That confirms what we just read in, in Matthew 24. China urges restraint after Russia warns of World War III, rumors of wars. Historic weather, why a cocktail of natural disasters is battering the US. These layered disasters after a glimpse of what's to come. As temperatures continue to climb, extreme events will not just increase, they're more likely to overlap, causing more calamity and testing the limits of the nation's resilience and recovery. And you can apply the same thing to Australia, perhaps the last fortnight with the floods, if you listen to the news now, there's warnings about increased food prices and shortage of food because of the floods. So these things are all real. Many are going to endure a freezing European winter this year because of the energy crisis and the war in the Ukraine. And if you look at your news this week as well, you'll find that the United Kingdom is in turmoil. You know, when you see all of these things happening around you, what do you think the ordinary man or woman who has no saving faith, how do they handle that or how do they cope? And uh, you'd ask yourself the question, you know, is there any surprise that there's so much drug abuse and suicide and depression and mental health issues? Because what are the answers to all those things? And of course the answer for us this morning is the only hope is the gospel. And we are here now, and one of the reasons we're here, one of the main reasons is to bring the light of the gospel, to bring hope to people that hear things like that and wonder and are concerned about where it will all end.
And uh, we have a, a purpose, a purpose and a, an obligation to do that. I'll just um, close on, out of all this, how should we live? Now, if you believe we're in the last days, I believe we are. The last of the last days, I would say. What manner of life should we be living? Matthew 24, verse 6, in, in that same discourse, tells us we should not be alarmed. So the Christian should not be the one who's running around panicking or feeding in on conversations where doom and gloom and, and distress and depression is the outcome. We should again, we should bring the gospel. We have the good news and we can tell people how it's all going to end and what to expect. So everything that's happening now is foretold in the scriptures. So we shouldn't be surprised or alarmed when we you know, come across headlines like the ones I've just read. And we shouldn't be fearful, we should be filled with faith. And in these times we need faith and hope in Jesus no matter what comes our way and no matter how evil the days become. And um, I believe that it's more, time more than ever to look after our hearts. So we need to be careful in tending to our hearts this morning. They mustn't be hardened or embittered by all of the things that are going on around us. And um, that can happen easily, I believe. You know, you can become desensitized and become immune to a lot of what's going on if you allow that to happen. And, you know, we should, um, when we see evil around us or when we're surrounded by evil, we should flee, actually, to the Lord. We should pray that the Lord keeps our hearts soft and preserve us from self-righteousness because another trap is to become self-righteous, to, to look at our, our standing and start looking down on people who are caught up in this uh, end time and in this uh, great tribulation that's about to hit and the times that are about to come upon them. That's not the, the attitude either. The, the attitude is that uh, we've been blessed and saved because of what we heard in the gospel and because of our response, because of what the Lord has done for us. And we need to give those people the same opportunity. And then whether they choose to accept or to reject, that's outside of our control. We know that scripture that we should guard our hearts with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. There's a nice scripture in Proverbs 28, 14, where it says, happy is the man that feareth always, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. So if our hearts become hard, we're going to go astray. You know, in the last days, because iniquity abounds, Matthew 24, verse 12 tells us that the love of many is going to wax cold. And I believe that includes the church. We've got to be careful that our love doesn't wax cold. And I believe even those things we mentioned under the banner of perilous times also refer to in the church and can be in the church. So we need to, to watch ourselves uh, as we live in these times. You know, in a world of chaos and distractions, we all need to ask ourselves if we are truly living for Jesus Christ. I have to ask myself this more and more. Is he the first priority or is he just competing with other priorities? Uh, I know this life can be very, very busy. And I, I experience that from week to week. 
but I have to discipline myself, and I'm talking to myself now, and I'm sure this applies to others here, to keep making sure that Jesus is the priority and to um, push the conflicting priorities down that list. So a couple of closing thoughts. I would summarize it this way. The main purpose of prophecy is not to answer all our questions about the future, but to enable God's people to live in the present in light of the future. So it's for now. It's for us to, to um, act on now. Now is a good time to check the order of our priorities. And that question I asked at the start, are we ready for his return? If he comes this afternoon or tonight, are we ready for his return? And the brothers and sisters certainly need to encourage one another in these end times. And I hope we do that from Sunday to Sunday, whether it's over tea and coffee or during the week or even up here on the platform, that uh, much of what we have to say is peppered with encouragement because we need encouragement. And I finally said that the preaching of the gospel to the lost, it's more important than ever. So the, the witnessing in whatever way you can do it, one-on-one -on -one or in your workplace or to your family or out in the streets, whatever way you can do it, it's more important than ever. It's not futile. It's not pointless. We just do what the Lord tells us and the rest is up to Him. And I finally close on the scripture, Matthew 24, verse 42 to 44. Watch therefore, for you know not what, your, what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let me just close on a word of prayer and then I'm going to do a quick, um, a quick AGM. We thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, that um, you have explained clearly to us, given us the signs about the end times, and they're for us for now to be alert and to be, to be ready. Help us, Lord, this morning to order our priorities. Help us to be, to be ready. Help us to do whatever we need to do in our own individual lives and uh, not to be concerned with others, but to, to get our walk right for us. Help me to get my walk right. Renew us, restore us, revive us, Lord, and um, do whatever you do, Lord, to, you need to do, Lord, to, to, uh, to help us, Lord, and uh, you know, in turn, Lord, we do our part, Lord. We trust in you. We love you. And we bless your wonderful name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, um, I think I just want to, do, to uh, go through the accounts because that's an important part. I might turn off the uh, recording for this one. Just, you know.